Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Roker Report, episode 8. You join us after another dismal display by Sunderland. Uh, sad I can't bring you any better news, but them's the breaks. I'm joined here today by Callum. How you doing, Callum? Not too bad, mate, yeah. Yeah. What about you, Gav? Suicidal? Yes. Yes, of course you are. <laughs> we need to get someone onto that. James, how you doing, mate? I'm alright tonight, Daniel. Not, Not too bad. bad. What about you, Tom? How's things across the pond? Despondent, mate. <laughs> what, America <laughs> or you? Life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even know where to begin here, lads. Um, we all watched the match. Uh, a good eight minutes of a proper spanking that we got there. Like, um, yeah, I'm just I'm as depressed as usual. So that's it, really. That's it for me. I'm done for the rest of the cast. I'm not going to say anything. What summed it up for me? We're watching the game. And obviously, my missus is American, and she likes watching the games and that. You know, she she finds it interesting. And she was like reading a book, and I'm sitting watching the game in bed because it's on at like seven over here. And uh, she like looked up. She was like, "It's four <laughs> one." She's like, "What, what, what happened?" <laughs> she last last chapter I was on it was only one one. I was like, "Oh no, we just conceded three in about eight minutes." She was like, "Jesus, last, last page, more like last page, <laughs> my last chapter." <laughs> I, I was like, "God, yeah, yeah." That kind of summed it up for me. Like she was like properly shocked by it. Oh, that's just some of them, though, isn't it? That's no, not, it is not the first time that's happened. Yeah, yeah Niall, Niall was brilliant. I mean, he's just the fact is, are they trying to play some sort of passing game? If they are, they're not con- confident enough to play it at the moment. They're just not playing to the strengths. Um, there's no, for me, there was no urgency. There's no closing down. They, they, I look at a team like Burnley, and I just look at at the start of the season. Would any of us have taken any of their players? Maybe one or two of them at a push, and at the moment, they just they, they fight for each other. They have a plan. They have a system. They also have a manager that instills belief. Like, but. I mean, they're just looking at that team and just look at look at our side, and they, to me, they look like they've already accepted relegation. You, you yeah. need you need you need a solid core, though, don't you? And it's like you look at our midfield three that we've been putting out the last four or five games, and it's none of the wonder we're not winning winning matches. You know what I mean? You know you know when 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 Arsenal play. Uh, it's always through the midfield, and you need to compete in there. And then you look what we had. We had, we had Pina, who's 
played his entire career as a winger. He's now 36. Well, 36, aye. And he's playing centre mid in the Premier League. And he, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's this is why we're not winning games. We don't have enough good, good players. I, mean, I know, obviously, we're, you're looking <clears> at like Catamol and Kirchhoff being missing. But, I mean, we... We just do not have enough good players. And like you say, there's teams in this league now who have got players who have played together for years or at least a decent length of time. So there's a, there's, there's teams like Burnley and and Bournemouth maybe and you know they've got a, a bond and a spirit as a team and they've got a will to win what we we won't have yeah. at all this season. I don't even see that changing uh, even even if we get you know our injured players back because the, the the likelihood is that by the time we are in a, a decent enough shape to start winning games or at least even drawing games, um, it's going to be too late because we're 10 games in now, you know what I mean? We're 20, 28 games left and you're probably looking at needing 36, 7 points to stay in yeah. the Premiership usually. And yeah. Is, can anybody see that happening? Because it's just dark. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's the the thing for me is there's no. I mean, there's clearly no organisation. There's no. There's no kind of desire that you know the team don't know what they don't seem to know what each other are doing. They don't seem to know who's man to. But for me as well, there's no. There's no leaders on the pitch. There's no. There's no one organising the team. I mean, especially when O'Shea went off. But even before that, like, there's no one. There's no one who like they don't bollock each other when a goal goes in. And like, you know, I, I, when you look back at like the Norwich game at the end of last season, one of the main reasons we won that game, you can say we scored some good goals and we played some decent stuff and we, and we had a decent game plan, but everyone said that at the end of that game, how crucial Lee Catamull was to that win, how he was driving the team on galvanizing and blocking everything, throwing himself in front of it. And when he was getting up, he was, you know, we did that thing where, where it's just classically Catamol. You know, he gets, he gets up, he grits his teeth, he grabs people by the collar, and he sort of, you know, he he shouts at them, and he's like gritting his teeth. And there's none of that. Mm. There's, they just look at each other when a goal goes in. They look at each other, they they shake their heads and they flap their arms and they get the ball and they go back to the center line. And it's and there's just there's no there's no resilience. There's no leaders, and you know there's all these stupid the air meeting that they had. You know, in between games last week, I don't want them to clear the air, and in in the academy over a over a you know a coffee or something like that. I want them on the pitch. You know, demanding more from each mm. other. That's yeah. what I want. The, the I want problem tell, is, I, go on. Sorry, sorry. I was I was just going to say, like, I just I want to see them. I want to see desire, and I want to see organisation, and I want to see leaders and responsibility, <clears throat> and and you know that for the fourth goal yesterday was was just the. The icing on the cake of that it just cemented it because Yanazai came on and no one I don't think he knew where he was playing. Gibbs had had a free run as soon as he came on. Th- those three goals, um, all of them could be tra- could be traced to Yanazai not doing what he should be doing. I mean, the, fair enough. Other people were would would you know other players were were awful as well. But two of those goals, Gibbs is is free on the left and no one's tracking him. The only player I saw throwing himself in front of stuff. Tracking men and having a bit of a go at anyone was Billy Jones. That's the only player I saw doing it. And that, I you that is, that down. And, and that to me, just you know, when when I saw that, I was like, you know what, done. I'm, I'm done. That's it. When you when Finish. Billy Jones is your best player, like Billy Jones, I mean, you're you're in a bit of bother. I mean, the, what Gav said with our midfield, and you look at Jack Rodwell. You know why disdain for him, but he actually had. He was probably one of the better players. I didn't actually was, think uh, he was as he was as bad 
uh, as the other two in the centre. But he still can't pass. He still, whenever he, whenever we seem to break and the ball comes through him, it stops because he can't pick a pass. I mean, I, I mean, I, you look at Didier and Dong, and I'm sorry, he looks scared at the moment. No, he, uh, rabbit headlights. Really, yeah, he is. He's completely devoid of confidence, self belief. I mean, 13.6 million for him. It's not fair to ban this record signing, you know, around. But you know, if you spend that money, you you need someone to have an impact. And I'm sorry, he's not having an impact. And you look at our other big sign, an eight million for Patty Jillabaji. I mean, I'm sorry, you get Pat the accurate first name. <laughs> <laughs> he is he's, absolute Pat. He's, he just gets beaten in the. He's consistently beaten in the air. Positionally, he's atrocious. Um, I mean, he's him and Kone. To be honest, I mean, I saw a I saw a, a, a clip on the internet of um, focusing on Kone for their fourth goal. I don't know if anyone's seen it. But it's it's one of the most embarrassing pieces embarrassing pieces pieces of defending I've ever seen. He he backs out the way of at least two challenges, and he just looks like he can't be asked. I think he's still sulking because he didn't get his move. Um, yeah, he's really corny. He is. Thing thing is though, like I've heard I've heard this kind of thing said before, like about players or the, when when they want away and that they don't try. But I remember hearing them. Um, I think it may have been Kevin Ball or Kevin Phillips at a talk in um, speak about how no player goes on the pitch and doesn't want to win the game they're playing in, regardless of what's going on off it. But then you look at someone like Coney and you just think, like, what the hell has happened mm. to him? Because he was so good last season. I, know, and I think it's pretty lazy, actually. It's pretty lazy to go, well, we haven't got Allardyce, we haven't got Kabul, because he's still a 20 eight-year-old defender who plays for the Ivory Coast that, you know, not too long ago was, was <clears> you know, demanding a fee of, of 18 million quid. It doesn't it shouldn't make a difference that Kabul's not there. That doesn't excuse the way he's playing for me. Like, he's, he's so he's so different this season to what, what we saw at parts of last season when he was just... He was a commanding presence and he, he won everything. I mean, the, the way he introduced himself to us when with that, with that challenge on Yaya Toure against Man City, <laughs> and we, you know, we knew, we knew we've got a good player. And then yeah. you, you compare that to this player, I don't think you'd sell him for eight, eight quid. No, I mean, eight if, he, if, he, if he goes to Everton, if Kone goes to Everton, he's, he's, a, he's a star there, in my opinion. He's, a, he's got everything you need to be a good centre back, like with whereas Chilabodji just, I think he just, he, he literally looks like he's chasing a fly sometimes. He's like he's, just he's running around all over the shop. But but Kone, oh, but Kone, every you, you look at how many like yellow cards he received when he was playing in France and how many he's got since he's played for us. He doesn't dive in. He reads he he reads the game quite well. He read the game very well last season, but this season, it it just it does look like, on occasion. He just thinks that what's the point? You know what? Why should I? Why should I bother? And and you, you know, against Arsenal, it was it was one of those days where I think not just Kone, but a lot of them, a lot of them just didn't didn't try. They just looked like they weren't trying. They were sauntering back. They, they just kind of gave up. Do you not? Yeah. Do you not reckon that? Um, which on on Jilabodji though? Do you not reckon it? He he's been thrown under a bus as well. Like I know he's not. I know he's not. He's clearly not good enough. But did, there was a moment in the game, right, where we had a goal kick. Pickford plays it um, 20 yards or so to him, and he's under no pressure, really. And he sees Sanchez running at him. He turns, hoofs it back at the keeper, 
who then has to go along and the ball comes back to Arsenal and I'm just thinking like why are we trying to play out the back with players like that yeah. he's yeah. clearly he's like he's, he's six foot four he's a big lad and you're asking him to play from the back and it's not I remember like we, somebody at the top of the top of the show said um, about Quinn his thoughts after the game um, I, I did manage to catch them actually uh, even though I was at the match I, I managed to catch what he was saying and um, his his input was that really Moyes is, is not playing to the strengths of the players and that's the way out of this and when you look at that performance yesterday we're, we're playing at Arsenal probably the in uh, man for man, and in in terms of the way they play with a two-touch football, probably one of the best football teams in the world. And we're trying to play off from the back against them. You know what I mean? It's like you're not helping yourself at all. You're not helping the players that are there because Jolabodji is a very very rank average player. He'll mm-hmm. probably struggle when we go down. We are going down. Yeah, I've got and down all that. you know what else was frustrating, Gav? When you're saying why are we trying to play out the back? When we scored the goal was when they put a long ball up against Mustafi. And we were able to put pressure on them in their own end of in their final third of the pitch. Right, we were yeah. we were never going to play through them, so I, I didn't understand why Anichibi wasn't playing. I didn't understand why that why that midfield three why weren't they covering to allow Van Arnholt and Billy Jones get forward more? We just didn't like we thought we could go toe to toe with Arsenal and try and play a game that they thrive on. They you know starve you of the ball and they score. We we had no idea what we were doing in that game. You know, you know, you know, you made a good point there actually about Anichibi, right? But I mean, I didn't catch the whole game midweek. Um, but by all accounts, he was probably one of our strongest players. Had a, had a decent enough game playing up front. And then, what's his reward for playing well? It's sitting on the bench. You know what I mean? It's we haven't got enough players playing well to just start. I, I said this last month when McNair had a good game against QBR. I mean. Consequently, since he's played a few games and he's been poor, but McNair, McNair scores twice against QPR and doesn't start. And I, I mean, you know what I mean. And then, and then there's Anichibi, probably our best performer against Southampton, and he's on the bench. And it's like we aren't helping ourselves at all here with the, with the, the tactics, the team selection. Um, I mean, dropping dropping Mankio was the right move for me, and I thought Billy Jones did all right. I know he was he, he felt a bit, but you know, so did everybody else. Um, but, See, the thing is though, with 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 Billy Jones. If you watch, if you watch the goals, he's left to deal with like two or three players, and mm-hmm. he's like chasing backwards and forwards, and other players like Undong and Kazri and and Van Arnholt are just walking back, and Yanazai is like nowhere in sight, and it just looks like he's kind of, he looks like he's just thrown Yanazai on, and then they don't understand what system they're playing, they don't understand who's playing where, and and he comes out after the game, he says, oh, you know, Arsenal have better players, you know, and better. And and you know better subs off the bench. That that scoreline, those goals, in my opinion, had nothing to do with Arsenal's quality. They had everything to do with our inability to be organised and resolute and defend. And Arsenal didn't have to work that that hard for those goals. You're always going to have a weaker team than Arsenal. You're always going to have a weaker team than Man United. But you can give them a good game. You can you you can set yourself up to give them a good game. Burnley showed that. Yesterday, you know, they, they got they got a lot of shots against them, but they were resolute, and it took their goalkeeper having a good game and everything. But you can you can go out even if you lose it and say, well, do you know what? We lost to the better team, but we but we we did our jobs well. At the end of the day, we lost to quality, but we can hold our heads high in the fact that we 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 had a game plan and we stuck to it and we nearly got something out of it. Yeah, that you make it so, hard for it. That, that's that. Yeah, that's so far from what happened yesterday that you know I can't even. 
I, I can't believe that he would use that as an excuse because it's obvious that Arsenal mm. have a better team. That's not an excuse. <clears throat> you can still give them a good game. It just drives yeah. me mad. Like, it really does. They're, just, they're, they're not... The team themselves aren't resolute at all. They don't, they don't seem to fight for each other. I mean, mm-hmm. going back to the, the passing out from the back, I mean, I don't know if that's been something that's that David Moyes has always tried to do throughout his career. I mean, I've never seen it. I don't know why he try and do it now. I mean, Poyer tried to do it, and I read a, he I read pretty an much failed. I read an interview with Van Anholt in the build of the game where he said that he was asked by, I think, uh, Squawker, something like that, um, asked what the big difference in style between Allardyce and Moyes was, and he said that oh, David likes to play out from the back. And I read it. This was only on Friday. I read it, and I was like, do it and then so I, made, I made a point I made a point on Saturday while I was at the game to try and take note of how much we did it and we did it pretty much every time Pickford got the ball um, and it was and it was frustrating to be honest because we didn't do anything with the ball it was going it was going from Pickford to a defender maybe across the pitch to the other centre half back to Pickford then long then we'd lose the ball then Arsenal would keep possession and I think I think their first goal um they maybe put 25 passes together before the ball hit the back yeah. line. Do you know what I mean? Pickford's left foot is good enough to pick out someone in the mm. opposition half. Why, why not? Why not crowd uh, their final third with two, three players and just go long and cause them, cause them hell on and just try and stay compact at the back, try and sort of man the walls and stop Arsenal breaching through. And then when we get a chance, why not just punt it up and have a go? That that yesterday was the only success mm. we saw. There was one point where Pickford pinged this absolutely lovely ball out wide for uh, Watmore. Unfortunately, his first touch wasn't great, but it, it basically put him one on one with the final defender. And then we obviously get the penalty again, a long ball up. Mustafi doesn't deal with it. Watmore goes through, and you know, I mean, ultimately got the penalty. And we scored, but that was where we saw success, and uh, just. It beggars belief that just us, like a bunch of lads on a podcast, can like see this <laughs> and determine mm. what's going wrong. And David Moyes, who's getting paid a fortune, doesn't know that that seemed to be what was what was the most successful uh, plan of action. Exactly right. Like all season, we've been lumping a ball up to Jermaine Defoe, and it seems to be this is the game he's chosen to go play it out from the back against arguably the best passing side in the in the league. It's it's just yet another mistake oh, from, from David Moyes for me. We've I mean, got some, uh, we've got some questions. Sorry, I'm just I'm reading through some of them now as these are talking, and some of them are really cracking me up. I mean, we've covered <clears throat> we've covered um, a good ten of them are about Moyes, whether or not he's going to get the sack. Blah blah blah. We've already figured out that he's not going to get the sack, is he? Sadly. So to all of those who asked you a question about what we're going to do about Moyes, well, there's nothing going to get done about Moyes. So you just got to like sit down and settle in for a really, really distressing season, in my opinion. But on the note of tactics, we have a question from Sunderland Buffalo. And it says, why does Moyes continue with the 4-2-3-1? What formation would we go? We need two strikers. Look at Burnley versus United. Tom, what do you think about that? Oh, um, what do I think about the 4-2-3-1? I don't like it. I think we should just go for a flat-out 4-3-3 let um, the, the, the two wingers provide the width that, you know, we seem to try and play with wingers when we don't have any wingers, which blows my mind. So I think we need to be really solid in the middle. We just need three holding players in there. We need to put like uh, Anichibi, Watmore and Defoe up front. 
and play a, a more direct game. And to be honest, that's what we did against every team we got a result against last season. We uh, we, we seemed to like play with some width coming from our full backs. We were very solid like throughout the spine of our team. And that's how we created chances. We got from front to back very quickly. We didn't try and play out the back. Hasn't, as people have pointed out, didn't work under um, Gus Poyer. Hasn't ever worked when we've tried to play this sticky-tacky style of football. Uh, for me, we just need to be more direct. And as we've already said, Niall Quinn said, play to your strengths. Mm. We have a real good striker. We have some real pace up front. And if we can put a body in there that is a, a, a giant wrecking ball, in all honesty, you're going to create a load more chances. We, we can't play with, with flair right now, which is depressing mm. to say. But just be realistic. Yeah, be realistic and think how I mean, can we I'd, win, and that's it. I'd play five at the back myself. I'd play I'd play five five at the back and two up top. I think if you play with wing backs, um, I think Mankilo obviously is flat to deceive at times. But on his opening game against Saints, he seemed to play more of a wing back, and he played quite well. We all know that Patrick Van Aanholt is a better as a wing back, um, and if you play. And he should be up there with Jermaine Defoe. If you are forced to go direct, then it gives you a better option. You know, he's he is a bit of a he's a big lump, isn't he? And he might bring people yeah. into play. Totally does. When you get somebody alongside Defoe, like it's really, 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 really pissing mm. me off watching it. Like, just it's and it has all season. When when we're not in possession of the ball, he's being occupied by two centre halves, and then. The next plan of action when we get possession is to lump it forward and there's like 50 yards of space between him and the midfield. And if you're going to do that, if if, you, if your tactic when you're under pressure, and it's fine, you, teams do it, if your tactic when you're under pressure is to lump it forward and try and push yourselves up 10, 15 yards, then why aren't you playing somebody who can hold it up? I mean, even Allardyce recognised that last year and it frustrated the life out of us watching Danny Graham and, and, and Doy playing left wing. Because we knew that the problem really um, with them out there was they weren't contributing much. But then you can kind of see with the squad of players. I mean, it's not changed that much. You can kind of see with the squad that we've got um, the the limitations that they have when they're out of possession, and you need somebody to hit. And it's not Jermaine Defoe like, and he should be sitting on the bench. And he might not score a single goal all season, but he's. He's got to be better at holding up the ball in Defoe's and maybe even bringing others into play like Watmore because, I mean, even when we're lumping, we're lumping the forward at Watmore times yesterday and he's not going to win a single he header. Just, he literally runs, runs the no, ball. He looked, he looked more def- so funny watching him. But he, but he did look most threatening when he was running through the middle and he won the penalty off the back of being, I guess, more of a striker using his pace to get in behind teams. I mean, we've said so many times that he's not a winger. Um, he, his pace raw pace is the only thing he has going for him why not try and use him to his one strength yeah yeah i mean i i i would prefer a 4-3-3 to a to five at the back um i think i think you're right about the um the width from the the width needs to come from the from the full backs because we haven't really got any proper width any you know any like proper wingers um in attacking positions and if you if you can play in each of and have Defoe off him and you can just have someone like Watmore kind of buzzing around up Has top, you know, cause, cause, exactly, yeah, causing trouble. Someone like Barini as well, when he comes back in, just yeah. causing trouble, finding space, you know, looking for the ball to drop around in each of you. And then you can have the three, you know, the three midfielders that you're talking about playing out from the back. There's no, there's no, first of all, there's not a lot of movement in midfield coming, you know, asking for the ball, 
um, getting a bit of space, a bit of time. And then when they get the ball, there's no confidence and there's no vision to actually do anything with it. So it just ends up going back anyway. So if you've got that in midfield, if that's all you've got for now, why you know why try and play that way? You know you're absolutely right about that. Why why not play to your strengths if all you've got is three midfielders who aren't particularly you know mobile or um, aren't going to be able to get that kind of space and pick that pass? You know why not just have them offering the protection in front of the in front of the two centre backs, allowing the the full backs you know Van Arnholt who's our main, one of our main attacking threats, allowing him to get forward, and then up front you've got that you've got that target man in an HB and you can have Defoe and Watmore and Kazri and Barini causing trouble buzzing in and around that, trying to collect the second balls. Because if you put an HB up against someone like Ashley Williams, then Ashley Williams will probably have a fair shout mm-hmm. against him. You know, but if you or Wes Morgan, but if you put them up against like Mustafi and Castellani, they're not the most physical defenders. They're just very competent defenders who can nick the ball away from you or, you know, read the, the flight of a ball really well and are good with it at their feet. But if you put someone like Anichibi up against them, it would it would unsettle them, I think, a lot more. So you, you've got to choose your games. You've got to choose your opponents and, and study them. And Arsenal studied us. You know, Arsenal know that we're, we're, we're I'm shite not, at, I'm not at convinced crosses and set, and set pieces. At all. Like, I think every team that comes up against but, us now is just like, three points. They know we're shite against, at crosses and set pieces and they know and everything that, in that we're weak at fullback. And, then it, and it wasn't a coincidence that a lot of the goals came from that, where with Arsenal, you wouldn't usually associate them with whipping crosses in and stuff like that. It's, exactly. You know, right. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. Uh, it's but. probably the only time that Arsenal have scored from three crosses in in a game, probably for about well, 10 I think, years. I think they, they always try and pass around. Saying a statistic about it being a low-scoring game, like how Arsenal have failed to score more than one goal yeah, sort yeah. of thing after oh, yeah, years. Yeah, they for in the in the in the fifteen games between us on Sunderland, uh, preceding this one, there was only four of them went over two goals <laughs> a game. You know what I mean? It's so just it's, that it's, season. It's, it's it? actually a pretty scoring game. But I know I know I know every game's different and stuff. But um, generally, when Arsenal come to Sunderland, it, it it would appear that we shut up shop and we try and stay tight. That, that would be the Right, we've got some more. We've got quite a few questions. Some. Um, I'm going to field one, actually, that I think is quite decent. This one's from, uh, oh no, yeah, Michael Scott Esquire. How many shots of bleach does it take <laughs> to down a 240-pound male? Now, I'm going to field this one because I actually did some research for you, Michael. Now, the reality of it is when you're drinking bleach, it's a really nasty way to die. It's not going to kill you straight up. You might suffocate because as you chemically burn your insides by taking in this chemical, your respiratory system will create phlegm in order to promote healing and protect the the cells and you'll actually end up drowning in your own phlegm mate that's the reality of it um which may <laughs> yeah yeah which still may, may not be a, a better alternative than watching Sunderland but then if you somehow do survive that you'll die in a, a couple of weeks of uh, liver poisoning so yeah on the suite of things <laughs> Um, I suppose what I really want to say, we, we were talking about it before, before the podcast, um, obviously everyone's blaming Moyes, everyone's blaming the players, uh, I think uh, there must come a time when, especially after all these years now, and you see this uh, this habit forming, well it has formed, it formed a long time ago, uh, constant hire and fire policy, we never 
never really nailed down any any um, momentum moving between season to season. So even if we do finish a season very well, like last season, for example, that means that does not in any way, shape or form mean that we will continue that good form the next season. Ellis Short, that's what I'm going to say. I think he's bad for the club. I think he's really bad for this club. I think he's got designs and ulterior motives that he doesn't want to tell us about and frankly isn't forced to tell us about. He's not obliged to say anything because that's the remit of a billionaire who, you know what I mean, who just owns a business. Um, yeah, I don't like the bloke. I've really gone off him, to be honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> See, I, I don't know about like, ulterior motives. I mean, I, 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 I think the main... The main problem he's the main mistake, sorry, he's made was when Nal Quinn left as chairman, he took over as chairman. He could be the owner, but the lack of a football some football now and a football brain on the board for so long and no one sitting alongside him with a bit of football experience has that's been his downfall. Um he's 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 definitely there is a lot worse owners out there than than Ellis Short, I guarantee. I mean, he's backed Ooh. quite a few of the managers we've had. I mean, if you look, the thing is, the when, for example, the Udinese model, the fabled Udinese model, we 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 were all well back. We backed, we mm. all backed that, didn't we? It was a fantastic plan when it came, and it didn't it didn't turn out to be the way. He sacked managers at the right time. We've all we've always seen an upturn in form. He's given money to quite a few of those managers. He has made some mistakes as well. Can I just um, can I just interject I've, there when you say he sacks managers at the right time? We've we've already established that Moyes isn't going anywhere. So unless <clears throat> I mean, what have we got now? We've got twenty eight games left of the season, one transfer window. That is that is as good as it's going to get. Do you know what I mean? And people are saying wait until the whole game. I'd, presumably, people are saying that because Hull are shite. <laughs> In reality, if we beat Hull by some miracle we we managed to string together two passes and get a couple of decent goals and defend when they attack us we, we, what does that mean what does that say if we're all expecting him to turn things around by the time we play what we deem as a lesser team although i can't really say that it's not really fair to any other team in the premier league to claim that we're better than any of them at the moment um what will that mean will that mean anything will that will that mean that Ellis Short made a fantastic decision sticking with Moyes because we beat Hull that one time bearing in mind that that would only give us like we'd take us up five points on the board so what then if, if we if we lose another three games after that five games ten games do you know what I mean he, he, had, he, he has to yeah, if, he, if he's going to do that if he's going to be consistent with his firing of the managers in order to keep us in the Premier League he needs to do it now he needs to pull the trigger now this, this reminds me this reminds me a lot. I'm not. I'm not saying like for like, but you know, last season when uh, Newcastle's chief exec Charnley was fully behind McLaren until it got far too late yeah. to make any sort of change that would have kept them up. Um, this yeah. reminds me of that. He was totally behind a man who just. It was clear from day one wasn't mm. right for the job, and I'm seeing the same thing from Moyes. I, I've I've been pretty fair with Moyes. I think I, I don't know I don't know if I've been overly harsh at times, but I mean generally I think that I do agree with the sentiment that we do need um, somebody in charge who's going to be here longer than just half a season, like we we have been well become used to. Um, but I think sometimes we as fans can just tell after five minutes if somebody's right um and and 
the only case you sort of hear for Moyes from anybody who is still pretty uh, patient on on the on the subject um, is that there has to come a time when we stop sacking managers. But the problem is, uh, just because David Moyes is in charge now doesn't mean that has to be him. I mean, we are we are dangerously close to relegation, and if we go down, um, it's not going to be this easy route that we've seen Newcastle sort of trudge mm. the last few weeks, where they they are clearly too good for that league. We aren't going to be like that. Well, we haven't, that we haven't now, got 150 you know, million pound squad, have we? I think yeah, I think I think the thing the thing about Ellis Short is um you know, you you're quite right about um you know, he's he's we've said he's gonna stick with Moyes and the reason he's gonna stick with Moyes is because he came out and he said he's he's the guy that I wanted for every job. Now first of all that's concerning because we've had different models of of like director of football and different kind of transfer targets and scouting systems. So what he's what he's doing is he's going for the name instead of going is that guy right mm. for the system that we've currently got in place so first of all that's concerning second of all if he if he sticks with david moyes in spite of everything we know that he puts his own ego above sunderland because if he did what's right for sunderland he would sack david moyes if he does what's if he does what's right for him because he wants to protect his reputation because he said david moyes is his choice then i think that says a lot about his motives now with newcastle it was exactly the same. They they got McLaren and they put him on the board, and they said, right, this is the guy. They gave him a long contract. You know, the fact the fact that they put him on the board says that they were expecting him to be like the main, you know, like, like the bridge between the boardroom and the and the pitch, and, and therefore the fans. Now, that's to me is one of the reasons that they stuck with McLaren for so long because they they knew that they'd invested a lot in him being a success. Now. I don't, I don't care. I don't care how long a contract he's got. All what I care about is what I'm, what I'm seeing on the pitch, and and those, like I said, those players have got, they've got no drive. They're not organised, and they're not playing for him. I don't care what anyone says. Those players would would give more for you know. There are many managers who could get more from those players, and and it's it's not about quality or or. or tiredness as much as it is about um, what he's able to get from those players so I would say uh, that's my opinion about Ellis Shaw I think that if he does what's right for Sunderland he sacks him if he does what's right what if he tries to protect his own reputation what do you think Tom for me yeah I think he's ignorant personally I really do I think he's ignorant because he like you said he's a businessman he comes in and we've already sort of ascertained that he's kind of got rid of all of the football and personalities at the club. I mean, Kevin Ball seems to have buggered off. Niall Quinn's gone. Um, he seems to have got rid of everybody who kind of understood the club, and it's been sort of his way or the highway, and what an absolute nightmare that's been, in all honesty. We don't hear anything from him, and that's 99% of the issue. I mean, if he'd come out and said to us, he gave us like a half-assed letter at the beginning of the season, saying that he was, we were right to give him criticism, blah, 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 but David Moyes was the man to do the job. And if he comes out and tells us what's going on, then maybe we don't have to speculate. The fact we owed a hundred million pound alone last year suggests to me that there's something very, very wrong financially at the club. And if you looked at Martin Bain's interview um, last week with SAFC.com, some of the stuff he was saying, it sounds like Ella Short has basically told him we're skint. You've got no money. But what I want you to try and do is make the best of a bad situation because he said stuff like, we need to go on the journey again. He says that not only that, it sounds 
not just a journey, but that we need to build for the future, that the fans need to stick with the club. To me, that sounds like relegation talk. He actually, those are actual words coming out of his mouth that we need to stick with the club. And he says, like an Olympic, we should be love, uh, we should be looking at bringing players to this club and selling them on for great value. That's that's totally right, mate. But at the end of the day, we need to be in the Premier League to be to be able to do that. So, for me, it sounds like Ella Short has sort of messed us around financially. In all honesty, he comes out and says he's invested a, a load of money into this club. But Damien's made this point before. He's invested the money, but he hasn't gifted us the money. Might be an interest-free loan, but ultimately he gets the money back, and it just blows my mind how much yeah. debt we're in, in a league that is showering the clubs with hundreds of millions. Twentieth place takes a hundred million pounds away this year, in a league that's showering its clubs with an absolute fortune of TV money. Somehow we are hemorrhaging money left, right, and centre. And Martin Bain says we need to rebuild, we need to restructure. The immediate priorities that have become lean and mean, and we need efficiency. The lean, mean championship. That's just <laughs> Honestly, that's yeah. the way it's going. It, he, the, it seems to me like we're we're being primed for relegation. It, everything to I me points to that. that. They, and they said um, I was listening. On, I was listening on Talk Sport in the week. Um, I know, call me a moron for that, but um, they, was, <laughs> they were saying that often with American owners, they seem to, at the start of their reign, they seem to like invest quite heavily and then mm. they get bored. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, because it, I'm looking at his tenure now. So he took, he, he took control a bit. He was chairman uh, December, 2008. And since then it's, it, we had a little bit of a, an upward trend with Steve Bruce. I don't like him at all, but it, I mean, actually looking back, he had a pretty decent spell and then since then, Paolo, that went tits up. Gus, we thought we were onto something, that went tits up. Dick Advocat saved us. We probably shouldn't have gone back to him. He, he, that went tits up. Sam Allardyce finally thought we thought finally we thought we had stability. <laughs> that yeah, went tits up. We've got, <laughs> yeah, we've got David Moyes now, um, who it's all you going know, tits up. Is, <laughs> he's well. I mean, he's 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 signed a brand new team, pretty much. Um, it's his team. Um, oh, it, no one else's. He he signed these players. Um, not one of those players is an upgrade on what happened last season. Um, and it looks like we're just limping well, our way. This is it to it's, relegation. It's like what Tom's saying. Obviously, we've discussed it already before this. Like, if Short does want to go, if he wants to go, he needs to clear debt. He needs to clear debt, and we have a massive amount of debt. So, what happens? How 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 do you sell a distressed asset, which is what short focuses on? He's the, the expert, expert in such things. So, so, in reality, you wouldn't sell your when you consider that all of that money is owed to him. You wouldn't be able to sell that for any profit. He couldn't sell Sunderland for a profit now. Most you could get for Sunderland, face value about one hundred twenty million, something like that. You know what I mean? 150 million maybe, and that's nearly as much debt as we're in. So he wouldn't be walking away with any money in his pocket. In reality, even if we get relegated, especially if we get relegated, we get more money than if we stayed in the Premier League this season. So all he has to do is yeah. relegate I mean, the, the us, thing... he gets his money back, that's and then scary. he sells. And it's as simple as that. To me, it's simple I mean... mathematics. I mean, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, but Christ almighty, we, we can all see the, the obviousness of this, can't we? 
Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I would just, what I would want to say is that there's a lot of people who sort of want to back Shaw and back Moyes to the hilt because they associate that with backing the club to the hilt. Now, I, I, I distinguish between the two because Short and Moyes are the the operators. They they are the custodians of the club. Now, the, I see the club as something separate completely. I see the club as the fans and the history and the culture and the community and 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 you know this this what what we're doing here, the kind of the interest and the passion that it generates and the and the love that we have for um, the club that last past players and teams and managers known as now. At some point, if you see custodians of the club and, and managers and, and, and owners and coaches and, and chief executives and whatever um, damaging the club and, and not living up to their responsibility in, in your eyes, it become, for me, it becomes a responsibility to say, well, no, we're not going to let you get away with that. We need to talk about this. You know, we, need to, we need to have honest conversations about what you're doing wrong. And that, to me, that's not attacking the club. If I'm saying that Short's doing something wrong or Moyes is doing something wrong, I'm I'm living up to the fact that I yeah, I love care. the club exactly. and therefore and this is on, yeah. On that note, and, and that's, sorry that's, to cut you off with that, but um, sorry, something Moyes said post Arsenal was it post Arsenal or pre Arsenal? I can't remember. I think it it, it might have been the pre, the, um, the pre-game presser actually. Anyway, he was asked about what a victory would mean to the city. Do you know what I mean? Which is a pretty basic PR question to answer. Do you know what I mean? If you're in the city, you turn around, you turn around, oh yeah, it means loads to the city. It means loads to the city. I love the city. I love the people. I love the fans. That's what you would do normally. Instead, Moyes decided to turn around and say, well, I don't know. I'm not in the city. You'd have to go and ask them. He literally said that. I'm not, fr- I'm not from the city. Oh, You'd have to ask God. them. How hard is it to turn around and say, yeah, yeah, they love it. They love football up here. Here's, here's the other one, right? <laughs> Ellis Shaw, castle in Scotland, mansion in London, doesn't live in Sunderland, mate. Doesn't live in Sunderland. Personally, if I owned the Stadium of Light, I'd move into it. It would be my home. Do you know what I mean? That's I. I, I would eat, <laughs> shit, shower there. That's that's just I, you wouldn't get me to leave. But eight a.m. Come and play with me. But um, yeah, this is this is what bothers me. So there's no there is no connection. As Callum was saying, there is, there isn't. Yeah. These people are essentially they're interlopers. Do you know what I mean? They come here, they're here <laughs> temporarily. Uh, as soon as it goes badly for them, they can just pack up and walk. Do you know what I mean? Moyes, if he decides, if he gets the sack now, or he decides to walk, he walks away with millions from his contract. It, it means nothing to him beyond the job and saving his own face. <sighs> if if you look where our debts come from. It's come from sacking managers and then bringing another manager in and letting them buy a load of dross. To me, that's moronic. Like, Ella Short must be an absolute moron if he genuinely thinks that he's he's put his light all into this club and he's done everything for it. Like, Damien says he doesn't live here, he doesn't know really much about us, and he's just created this, like, toxic cycle of higher fire and... And you're right. It's us who's less to, It's us who are left to deal with it in the end. And it just it, it baffles me that how can people not get it right? It's not hard, you know. He's a billionaire. He, like he's done things right in the past. And I just the whole situation is infuriating me because the the main issue for the fans is we don't know who to blame now. 
Is it Moyes? No, it can't be Moyes. There must be something else going on. Oh, but Ella Short's tried his best, so it must be David Moyes. Oh, but what about this Martin Bain bloke? We literally don't know where to direct Mm. our frustrations. And nobody's clarifying anything. We have political spin from Martin Bain midweek, where he's kind of hesitant to talk about anything other than saying we need to be lean, mean and efficient. We don't know what's going on. (laughs) We have literally no idea what the situation we're in. At the end of the day, it's just words. It's just it's just cheap, it cheap it platitudes. And uh, oh, that's all I've seen. I've, I I believe I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I'll believe I'll I'll believe it when it actually when when a plan kind of starts to form. And at the minute, I've seen all I've seen cheap platitudes from like arrogant businessmen and washed up managers, and that's it. That's all I've seen. And and uh, and you know that like you said, their plan was to buy uh, buy cheap and and try and sell on. You know, you know, build players and then try and sell them on. Which of those players that he's bought are going to sell or be sold on for a Danny profit? Love. I'll put my neck on the line and say none. None of those players. The only one. The only one is Johnny Love, and we might we might get five hundred and fifty thousand no, pounds instead of five hundred thousand we pay. That's the only one. You know, the best best signing has been Pinar, and he hasn't even been that good, and he's thirty five. It's agree it, with that you know, I'll I'll believe I'll I'll believe this plan when I see it. And, and until then, all I'm hearing is just these, you know, kind of cliches and, and, and just these, you know, like I said, platitudes from these people who, who, you know, kind of try and throw you out some compliments and hope that it placates you. It doesn't placate me. I can see, you know, I can see it on the pitch. It, it you know, I, I'm not willing to buy into this until I see something, um, until I see something concrete, until I see something of substance. And the appointment of Moyes, just indicates to me that they've got absolutely no idea what they're looking for, and they've got absolutely no idea what kind of club gavel. Be, I just want to gavel. Here, yeah, I completely. I'm sure we all agree with Callum basically on that. So, if you if you're a long-suffering Sunderland fan and you need someone to talk to, then you can always reach me at 07494. No, not really. I'm not giving you my number. You can reach us on Twitter, though. <laughs> right. Thanks very much for joining us for episode eight. I'm really well. I'm I'm both sorry and not sorry that I haven't got any good news for you because on the one hand it's not my fault, on the other hand I have to talk about it and I know how depressing it is. Uh, yeah. Thanks, lads, for joining me again, and you'll have another episode. Uh, next week same time this will be out Monday morning check us out on iTunes and Acast the podcast app subscribe thank you very much this is Roker Report signing off hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.